Hello, happy Tag Tuesday. Aloha. <laughs> I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. You're listening to Two Average Girls, and you think we'd be able to, like, do it much more professionally at this point, but we can't. Every single time. It's <laughs> Our like, intro. what are we going to do? We look at each other, there's a blank stare, <laughs> and we move forward. The blank stare, I think, is the most important part. I think it might be the fact that it's National Sleep Day. Mm-hmm. And, um, which I didn't know. The day that we're recording is. It's not going to be the day this is airing. No, but, um, and I'm here on the island still. And my husband had the great idea, and it isn't a bad idea, to wake up early this morning, like at 6 a.m. Now, when I'm on vacation, I like to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Like, Why did he need to get up at 6? He wanted to see the whales. Were there whales? No. Did you see the sunrise? I saw the sunrise. How was that? Um, I could have seen a picture. I'm just saying. My husband's the, you know when people ask you, are you a sunset or a sunrise? Yes. I'm a sunset. Sure. I'm not about, I mean, the sunrise, everyone's like, oh, especially my husband. You know, it's like this opportunity for the day. Mm -hmm. It brings you, you all of a sudden you have this opportunity and you get up and you have the whole day in front of you. That's right. But I can have the whole day in front of me at 8 a.m. Sure. But not today. Well, and I thought it was it was irony mm-hmm. that I was getting up early on vacation on National Sleep Day. It is irony. It's kind of weird. It's not. It's, it's not cool. I mean, he took a picture. I was still getting <laughs> ready at like you know six something and just getting ready, meaning putting some shorts on, because I was like, if I'm getting up, we're taking a walk. And oh my, my husband's gosh! Like, Where are we going? I'm like, we're taking a walk. <sighs> And we did. See, that's on you. I like that part, though. You could have just done sunrise from the comfort of your bed and then, and then drifted back off to sleep. <laughs> that's what I would have done. I should have, probably. <laughs> but he did show me a picture, and I was like, wow, you could have just gotten up and showed me that picture, and I would have been just as good. I feel equally as, uh, you know, touched. But, but the whales are going to town out there, mm-hmm. and it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You and I saw yesterday some... Dolphins going to town with two surfers sitting there, and it was it was funny because there was a group of surfers that were closer to the shore, like shore break, and then past that were just these two two dudes sitting on their surfboards, and we're like, what are they doing out there? And then we saw little tiny because at first we thought, oh, it's whales. No, they were dolphins, and they and were they were, all, they were all swimming over. all over them, and they were literally kind of getting out of the water and being mm-hmm. excitable. There must have been they must have been eating. I don't know. Sure, it was probably they might have been playing with those guys just like they like to do that i don't know what they were we up asked to. the lifeguard what's going on and the lifeguard's like a uh, dolphin like no big deal well the lifeguard was has seen it all he's all over day, it every day yeah he's like it's just more wildlife ladies move along <laughs> we couldn't he we could, were so excited yeah he wasn't very energetic about it but that's okay <laughs> that's the life of a lifeguard i get it i get it we're so excited to have our ne- our next guest on we're very happy to have her here She's a, she, you've heard us, if you are a longtime listener to our podcast, thank you, first of all. Second of all, you've heard us mention her many, many times. She, we've referred to her as super fan. We've referred referred to her as our kawaii correspondent. But most of all, she's our friend. We're so glad to have Toby Tuttle with us today. Hi, Toby. Aloha. Thanks Uh, for having me. Aloha. (laughs) We were talking earlier about what how do how do we introduce toby what kind of title do we give her and we said well we're going to introduce her as the queen of kawaii and the resident expert and we both got a little bit of a look from toby like please don't do that (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, whenever I come to Hawaii, I literally go home and I'm like, I'm going to speak Hawaiian. I'm going to learn <laughs> Hawaiian. Because number one, I would love to be able to pronounce the street names here. Just the street names. I mean, come on. Or if someone says, go over to such and such, I wouldn't sound so... White. White. <laughs> and it's almost like you can't read or something. You're illiterate when you're trying to speak these long, lots of vowel signs and whatever in Hawaiian. And I'm always like, I'm going to speak Hawaiian. I'm going to learn at least enough so I don't sound like a complete idiot. Is that a strictly Howley situation, Toby? Or do folks who are from Kauai, from this island, still look at some of those street names and go, I don't know. It's Just go over to the big save and turn left. <laughs> Yeah, that's more what it's like for me, too. I look at some of the signs, especially when they come up with new ones. In the uh, recent years, they've come up with names for the districts throughout the island. So you're passing through each one and you see a color with a name and a picture. And I have to pass them several times before I can, you know, like figure out how to pronounce him correctly. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it happens to us, too. Well, good. Now I feel better about myself. See, not, not that so much, but a little bit. But So all that is to say, we're just so happy to get Toby's insights today about the island and maybe help us out a little bit with some of our pronunciations. I'm not going to promise Denise anything no. <laughs> as far as that's our, concerned. Our island insider. I, our island insider is, is, uh. is joining us, and we're just really thrilled to have her. Now, you were not born here on Kauai, were you, Toby? No, I was born on Oahu, mm -hmm. and uh, when I was young, my parents moved us over here to Kauai so we could be uh, around my mom's family. So what is the cultural background of both of your parents? My mom is pure Hawaiian, Yeah, and my dad is, um, he has Filipino and Caucasian. Okay, so is pure Hawaiian something that is hard to come by? Like, my dad, pure Italian, mm -hmm. so I'm half. But anymore, you tell someone that, you know, you're full-blooded Italian or whatever, it's that's hard to come by. Is it the same with the Hawaiian people? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It really is. Um, I didn't know how significant of a thing it was when I was growing up until I went away to school on the mainland. And, you know, just saying half Hawaiian was a big deal, too. Yeah. And then to mention my mom was pure Hawaiian, it's like, that's that's impossible. Yeah. So, especially nowadays, back in the uh, 50 years ago, I mean, it was common guess sure. yeah but um the further along we get in years the less common it is yeah sure because everybody comes over and meets other people and right yeah then it's all blended blended up what was it like what was Kauai like I always wonder all those years ago when you first came here when you first were sort of living here yeah. as it is now it's the most rural of the highly inhabited islands right. in the Hawaiian islands yeah. and even at that it's still you know, there's Target. There's yeah. a <laughs> there's a Walmart. Finally, there's a Target. <laughs> when that came in last year, I was so excited. <laughs> Denise yes. was very happy. <laughs> but it's also still very rural. I'll bet it was really charming and very rural back in the day, huh? Yeah, it was really simple. Um, we talked about Holy Donuts, which is a new um, mm -hmm. food truck on the island. We used to live across the street from there, and oh. there was just a big pasture where the where the path is. Um, the Kilia path mm -hmm. and we lived in a little house there across from the beach and that park was our backyard Wow yeah oh wow that was all housing on that area well th no there was just like one shack oh that we lived in <laughs> next to a, um, 
a place that fixes cars, a, a garage. A garage. Everybody's experience is different as a child. Like, I, you know, I, the big deal for us was going to a movie, you know. What, right. what did you guys do growing up? Um, we went to the beach a lot since it was right there across the street. Um, rode our bikes up and down the 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 area in front of the beach was sand uh, was grass yeah so we did that um and just was with family I just remember being with family a lot my mom's family that was the reason why we moved here so we frequent the beaches a lot with them and um family dinners a lot yeah a lot of family stuff I don't want to, you know, sound like I know the language, but Ohana means family. It sure does. I, mm-hmm. Look you know, at you. I know. Look at me go. No one gets left behind. No one gets, <laughs> gets left behind. I love, one of the reasons I love it here is that family is important. Absolutely. Um, we are very accepting, and I learned that early on from my mom. We had cousins living with us when we were growing up. At one point, my auntie and her daughter were living with us growing up. And so there was always this acceptance of what ours, what's ours is yours, and um, whatever we have to share, you know, we'll share it willingly. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation about this a couple of days ago about the term auntie. It's you hear a lot of people on the island calling other uh, you know, other women that, hey, auntie or whatever. Yeah. You were called auntie last night by the valet. Yes. Auntie, yeah. I got your car, but it's not something that you. We were talking about your granddaughter, who's the cutest little thing. She, Toby has two little granddaughters, and they're both the cutest things you've ever seen. The littlest one, though, is really learning how to talk. Yes. And she's calling just random people auntie. Any woman <laughs> is an auntie. And Toby was like, mm, that's not. So what is what does auntie mean? How do you get that title? I think at her age, she's just be- becoming familiar with language. Um, yeah. But she knows a lot uh a lot of people who are kind to her, anybody that will give her a snack, um, you know, that's, that's auntie <laughs> Me too. you, or you're calling, she, you, she calls you auntie every time we come here. Yeah. At the grocery store, we're putting things on the conveyor belt, and she um, puts stuff on, and she'll say, here, auntie, and she'll, like, pass it to the checkout lady. So I think it's just a term of endearment. But it's not, we say. is it something that, er, like, every woman should be called auntie? That's not how it is, right? No. In fact, when my husband um, had the sad experience of calling one of um, the basketball, well, our daughters play sports. And when we were at um, the sport event one time, there was a food booth, and um, the lady behind the, the food booth was selling us stuff, and he called her auntie. She was probably... 10 or 15 years younger than him oh. and she said what did you call me oh and I looked at him like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> so much trouble. and so we had to have that conversation don't call anyone younger than you auntie oh, oh. <laughs> okay it's yeah. reserved for you know kupuna status people or even you know like my all of my daughter's friends called me auntie the yeah. the young man last night he didn't know my name but immediately you know we felt a connection he called me auntie I said thanks honey sweetie and he went on his way and got our vehicle right so it's a term of endearment that um, immediately connects us I guess and you can call a stranger someone that you don't know like the valet yesterday you can call someone auntie and that's not an insult not at all okay not at all good to know Make sure they're younger Um, than they're not younger than you right yeah another incident though when I go clubbing with my friends sometimes Mm -hmm. and you know we're above 35 (laughs) and these young 20 year olds will you know will come up and 
and my friends find it very um, humbling when they say, oh, hi, Auntie, and they're like, we wish you wouldn't call us Auntie in the club. You know, it's kind of not, a, not an okay thing. It, you got to pick and choose your environment <laughs> and your timing, and that wasn't okay with them, and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like a ma'am. Is that what yes. it is, like ma'am? I hate that. There was a lady who came here once to visit, and um, she might have been maybe my same age or maybe just a little bit younger or older. I don't know. We didn't really clarify. And she called me auntie several times, and I finally had to, like, look. We're the same age, and I know you don't understand this culture about how to use this word, but it's not okay. I'm not okay with you calling me auntie. Right. And so, I mean, it happens. Yeah. And usually, if it's somebody that you're going to run into once, we're not going to make a big deal of it. But she and I saw each other repeatedly over a period of time, and so I felt the need to just kind of educate her a little bit. Yeah. Is it okay for uh, white people on the island are howlies, mm-hmm. right? That's not a derogatory term. It's just a, a fact. Is it okay for the howlies to call you auntie? If they're younger than me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. We recently had a couple that was um, friends of my daughter's. Mm-hmm. And this girl is, you know, born and raised in California, I believe. And she was calling me auntie. And at first I was like, oh, because she's very, you know, white. <laughs> and then I had to realize like, oh, yeah, she gets it. She's using it as a term as a term of endearment. And right. she's um, just calling me that out of respect, too. Yeah, another that, connection it's a respect to thing. Yeah. And also we just want to be accepted. Yeah. <laughs> We really do. You were talking about, I just wanted to educate her. I just wanted to do, let her know what the right way to use that word is. Is there any other words or any other terms that are so misused or, (laughs) you know, completely out of context that we should make it a note here so that if anyone visits the islands, they don't look like a complete idiot? (laughs) You know, I love the way you guys pronounce Kauai, you say Kauai. Hawaii, you say Hawaii. I, I, I think it's a stretch when people try too hard and they say Hawaii or, <laughs> you know, they just kind of overdo it. And I'm like, just say Kauai. We know you don't know the language and it's right. okay. Yeah. And it's okay that you're trying, but I don't know. For me, if people are trying too hard to, to put it in there, then it's, it just makes it a little uncomfortable. That's good to know. That's yeah. no, that's really good to know. How should we say Kauai? Say it the way the way you're saying it now is Kauai. perfect. I mean, I expect more from myself because you know you say being it for me, Kauai. Oh Kauai. yeah, that sounds really better. That, that does sound a lot better. Did you go? Did you visit the mainland when you were living here as a child? Did you ever make trips to the mainland? Never. The <gasps> first time I stepped foot off of this island was when I went to um, school in Utah at BYU Provo. How old were you? It was in 1985. So you were 20. You were 20. You were early 20s. Yeah. Well, how was that culture shock? Very shocking. Um, Luckily, uh, a lot of people from Hawaii go to BYU, um, Provo. And so I met a friend who had a friend who had a sister. And it was just this connection, like we talk about this web. And... um, my friend said, oh, my sister lives there. I'll, um, I'll set you up with her. So we talked on the phone a few times, and then I showed up at her door like a month later, 
and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you guys must be best friends. Did you grow up together? No, we just met right now for the first time. <laughs> and I went there and I had lays up to my <gasps> nose because, you know, in those days when we could go into the airport, it was a huge festival with lays up to the, you know, up to the headline and everybody singing Aloha Oi. Oh. It was very tender and special. They yeah. welcomed you. Well, that was leaving. Oh, that was oh, leaving. Yes. Oh, leaving my the island for the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. What was the cold like? How did that affect you? Um, I couldn't understand why people would be laying out half naked in March <laughs> when there was still <laughs> snow and patches around them. Yeah. And I was just mind boggled. Like, what are they doing? How can they do that? Well, I'm... <laughs> up to my eyeballs in anything warm that I could put on. Sure. Right. Oh, my goodness. Growing up, though, here on Kauai, it was pretty sheltered existence. Yes, it was. Um, one of my fond experiences was um, being on the beach with my auntie, mm -hmm. and she would take us to look for pee-pee-pee shells, and it's like this little... You've heard of opihi. You guys have been here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the pee-pee-pee are... A similar variety but smaller and they're tiny and she'd take us picking them off the rocks and we should take us home and give us a needle and we would pull them out of the shell and eat them oh and that's like one of my favorite memories of of um you know growing up simplistically here on yes. Kauai. how old were you when the mcdonald's moved on the island i don't even remember and it wasn't um i must have been Maybe four or five. Mm. Oh, yeah. So it had it, that was you were young. Yes, it's been here for a long, didn't a long time. It had yes, been and before long. it spread out throughout the island, I think there was only one in a, in Lihue. Yeah, yeah. Do, when growing up, listening to the radio, did you hear outside influences of music, or was it strictly like Hawaiian music? A little bit. I imagine there were stations that played other things. I think my dad would sing a lot of country if sure. I remember correctly yeah um and then just hearing um local artists and albums were a big thing so we would listen to a lot of Hawaiian music as home at home as well as um over the airways and so it was interesting when I moved to the mainland um I would flip through the radio stations and would ask my friend like how come they don't have any Hawaiian music on here <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't understand, like, why doesn't everybody listen to Hawaiian music? For real. And so that was a, a rude awakening for myself <laughs> that I could no longer listen to Hawaiian music outside of Hawaii unless I had my own, um, you know, archive of it. Yeah, your own player. Yeah. Because there are no, I'm trying to think, even in Southern California, there's not a Hawaiian station. Your two little granddaughters, the older one is in Hula. Yes. How old were you when you started Hula. I actually didn't get a chance to dance hula when I was younger, mm -hmm. so it wasn't until um, I was in high school. Oh. And uh, in the choir yeah. for high school. Mm -hmm. And I um, was part of this choir that would perform at Coco Palms. The famous Coco the Palms famous Hotel. Coco Palms. Yeah. Yes. You would perform at the Coco Palms? Yes. Our teacher was well known, Rini Thronis. She was the best. And she took us there, and she had a connection, and they let us sing there Wednesdays and Sunday evenings. And um, that was a really special time that we got to perform for the tourists. Yeah. And it was simple songs, but we had a very beautiful uh, program, you know, all 
aimed toward pleasing the tourists and and their eyes and their ears so Mm -hmm. it was it was awesome so you would sing like traditional hawaiian songs yes yes and uh so as a choir we would do that and then we would dance um some of our um performers would have um solo spotlights okay and then there were group dances that i would be participating in so so you learned then through uh, high school and beyond how to hula yes i think people don't understand i didn't know until i really got here actually until i got to know you Mm -hmm. that um there's there's hula and then there's the correct way to do hula so i can stand around and kind of shake my hips with a skirt on whatever and that's not going to be right but there's a traditional way that's that is i don't know that sacred is the right word but it's very well thought of Yes, it's um, a very intricate part of our culture, the hula dance. Mm -hmm. And um, hula was a way that our ancestors told um, stories. Mm -hmm. It was also a way that they would share genealogy. Um, It's also linked to, um, you know, sacrificial worship and, um, you know, as well as other things Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, In these days, we revere hula as a way to preserve our culture of course yes and every year um the hula competition on the big island known as the merry monarch that's right is just this coveted experience that many people wish to have in their lifetime I- at least if you're hawaiian yeah and you love the art of hula uh, i tried to go this year and guess what the tickets get sold out almost immediately really? and it's it's a hard thing to come by so you tried to go yeah. as a spectator and you I couldn't did. get tickets. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. That's crazy. Is is the island of Kauai usually represented in that? Absolutely. You refer to the Halau, is that what you said? Yes. Who's Halau that? is um the group of oh. hula dancers. Oh. And the dancers have a teacher who is their kumu. Oh. Yeah. And that person, though, has to be specially trained by people who were also specially trained. And it's sort of passed down, right? Absolutely. From generation to generation, um, a teacher will take students under her tutelage Mm -hmm. and teach them everything that they know. And it could be male or female. Okay. Um, And that is how my kumu, my daughter's kumus, uh, came across this um, title of kumu to teach hula oh it was passed down through generations or under someone else's yes teaching if it's not passed down in that specific way it's not recognized as being authentically hula right um yes and no so i've been teaching what i termed a self-made class at the Kauai athletic club for 22 or 23 years called hula aerobics hula aerobics hula aerobics that's right and so when i started a lady like a a holly tourist visiting from the mainland said you look hawaiian and i said yes i am she said i bet you know hula i said yes i do she said you should teach a class um aerobics and hula together and i said well that's a novel idea so i asked the um aerobic director at the time i said i want to try and teach this class and she said, well, other people have tried it, and it's never stuck. But you can go ahead and give it a try. And it went on for, like I said, 22 to 23 years. So <laughs> I, I guess it was okay. Yeah. And you would have people come in, the same people would come in. This is their workout, but it incorporated 
the tradition of hula. Yes, and the tradition of aerobics because it's everything is eight count. There's a certain way that oh. aerobic instructors teach a class. So I would break it down, break each hula down into steps and then teach it, you know, eight counts at a time and then blend them and blend them until they got the whole dance down. Oh, that's amazing. And then at the end of five or ten minutes, I turn on the hula and they're dancing and they're amazed. Like how <laughs> it all happens yes. together. Yeah. If people come to visit the island or any island, where can they get the most authentic hula? Is there is are the luau's a good place to go? They or? are. Yeah. Um, I think one of the places people frequent is the Kilohana um, area. It's the Gaylord's restaurant. There's oh. a hula mm-hmm. program happening in there, and. Uh, there's the other one, Smith's, Smith's Luau. They have a nice show. And those are authentic. Yeah. As authentic as you're kind of Here on Kauai. Yeah. It's, over the years, the hula has been identified, um, tourists kind of identify that as Hawaii. Yes. And back in the day, you were telling us that when people were, would come here, they would be greeted with hula. Yes. Maidens in lei with um, hula skirts made out of grass or tea leaf. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite thing is the red lipstick. Oh. And a lot of people who come to Hawaii associate um, this experience with the Kodak shows that they used to have yes. down in um, Waikiki mm-hmm. that started in about 1937. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I think of hula and I think of what you were talking about, the red lipstick and things, I think of... Elvis Presley, Ah. all of the movies he did, and it kind of, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that it brought Hawaii to people that had no idea what these islands were about, and that's, the tourists then started flocking here. Am I I wrong with that? Do you know? I don't think you're wrong about that, but there are several, right? Because isn't there Uh a South Pacific? Yes. There was another one, and there was another called Hawaii, Mm -hmm. Um, many movies and that try to portray Hawaii in different in different light. I feel fortunate to have a bigger vaster experience having you as a friend and just seeing the culture as it is through your eyes so to speak. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that because in the course of our relationship I remember coming here with a basket of flowers mm-hmm. and making a lay with mm-hmm. Anne and mm-hmm. it's like this is what we do. And it's so simple, but it's so pure and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're right. A lot of people aren't getting those experiences. Um, I think the hotels are trying better, though, because they do have um, um, experience packages that they're mm-hmm. offering to their guests where they can sit in the lobby and, make you know, make a lay with tutu um, and learn how to dance simple hula steps or whatever. I'm glad you brought that up because I do remember you coming over with that basket of flowers and we made a lay. It was for something. It was for a funeral that I was attending the next day. That's right. Yes. And um, I was kind of honored. I was like, wait, does everybody get to do this? And then you left me with the needle. Yes. And the needle. What? It's to create a lay. It's It's a specific needle. I still have, well, of course, I still have the needle, but it's in a place that I, like a cupboard that I open uh, quite a bit, and I see that needle every time I open it, and I love, I love, (laughs) I'm always reminded. And you've never made me a lay. I don't have the flowers. Yes. You have to use the right flowers. I can't just go out and pick some rando flower, just some janky flower, and make (laughs) you a necklace. 
That's not that's not how it works. Oh. You have to use specific flowers, and Toby knows the flowers that you make. Right. You the most the most common is the plumeria. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because it takes up a lot of space, and you can make one in less than twenty minutes. And it smells. See, it's delicious. all about doing it <laughs> and quickly. Efficiency. <laughs> it's efficient. And it smells delicious. Oh yes. It smells so good. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's what people uh, equate with Hawaii and Lay's, which would be the plumeria. Yes. Yeah. You see different ones. Like yes. The tea leaf when it's mm-hmm. twisted and it's made into like a braid. Yes. Right. Yes. And the other one that other people refer to as haku, the true term is um, vili because the flowers are intertwined oh. and woven onto a base. And that's a really pretty one that people mostly We're use on their heads. Yes. 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 Lepo'o is what we call it. Say that again. The lepo'o beautiful no those are so gorgeous every once in a while you'll see some a lady at church or something who br- has one of those on and you're like how how are you the queen of everything right now it's also <laughs> like heart eyes for uh, for us howlies we're like like that's amazing you know it's so yes. gorgeous there are certain times of the year that we wear flowers more especially in the summer of course but mm-hmm. there's may day Oh. In the mainland, it's Cinco de Mayo or, you know, anything else that, that comes along with that. And it's May Day is Lay Day in Hawaii. Oh, yes. And so there's celebrations at the schools. There's celebrations all over the place, all over the island um, where lays are honored. One of my favorite things, too, um, if you guys are over here at the beginning of May, um, it used to be that the Kauai Museum, and I'm sure museums on, on other islands do it as well, do lay competitions and people will submit their offerings their lay and they are gorgeous one of the ladies who would win every year would come and take my hula class and she was amazing at it and everybody you know oohed and odd over her presentations but it's not an easy thing to get down I've been doing it for years and I'm still not as you know expert as at as other people yeah it's hard my recollection is um, hula dancers, going back to that, when they would prepare for a competition, they would go to an area and they would dance in this area in preparation and they would leave gifts. Oh. Um, in my own personal experience, when I would go to the mountains here in Kauai, um, every time we would go to gather, gather uh, ferns or flowers, I would make a lei you know, and, and just drape it over a branch mm. and offer a prayer in Thanksgiving for the Aina providing me with this, you know, this beautiful flora and fauna and then offering a gift back in, in, um, in gratitude. Oh. Okay, that makes sense because I've seen that mm-hmm. in different places. It's pretty obvious like you're on Oahu and you see the King Kamehameha statue. People always go take a lay there, you know, which is like totally understandable. But I've been out and about and I've seen a lay just kind of play obviously placed mm-hmm. somewhere and I'm like I wonder what happened there of course I immediately think oh someone someone died or maybe someone's pet is buried there so no it's just it's a thank you and a lot of times it is though okay. um a death of a person and mm-hmm. we do see that all over the island yeah but um that's just my experience of one of the reasons why lays as offerings came about that's very cool. I did not know that. You said your mother was 100% Hawaiian. Did you learn the Hawaiian language as a child? No, I did not. She didn't speak Hawaiian to you? 
No. So my mom grew up in a time when um, speaking Hawaiian and being Hawaiian mm. wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, wh- that's wh- a little bit what I, what I was going for. I was wondering if culturally um, she wanted to separate herself a little bit from that. Yes. Um, so her name is Carol. Mm. Mm. And so, and she had a little Hawaiian name in the middle. Um, but yeah, that, and then she tried to bring us up just, you know, English speaking, not knowing much Hawaiian. Um, and it wasn't until I went away to college, went in to the UH Manoa and took Hawaiian 101. Yeah. So I could learn how to speak my native tongue. And do you know conversational Hawaiian? I've never asked. Not very much. Yeah. Um, I used to be able to converse a little bit, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to do more now. Mm-hmm. With my grandchildren, I try to, or mo'opuna, <laughs> <laughs> I try to, um, you know, teach them Hawaiian words. Yeah. And I started with um, lehiva because I'm with her every day. Right, your youngest grandbaby. Yes. Yeah. Um, and recently, Anna asked her mom, can grandma teach me Hawaiian too? <gasps> Oh, yes. And I didn't even realize that I was leaving her out of the equation. So now yeah. every morning I say, Aloha kakahiaka, ena, pehea oe. And she'll say, good. And I'm like, aole, olelo Hawaii. So I, mean, I want her to speak to me in Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. She goes, mai kai. So she's getting it. She's getting <laughs> it. So what did you just say? <laughs> I said, good morning, Anna. How are you? So and she so responds good. Said, yeah, I'm doing my good. My kai is good, and I tell I tell her different things. Maluhiluhi, I'm tired. Ma'i, I'm sick. You know, she could say words. Yeah. Um, pono, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm feeling really good. So just, you know, little stuff. We're getting there. Yeah, little by little. It's not required on this island or in the state to take Hawaiian culture classes, or is that taught? That's a question. I make it. I sound like a statement. Or is there Hawaiian culture classes in elementary through high school? I believe there is. Okay. I know when I was in high school, there what we had to take, you know, one semester of Hawaiiana. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. And growing up, like in more elementary, we were taught things about, you know, the important things about Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But um, college... I don't think so. Mm-mm. I think it's more of a choice than yeah. a than a requirement. What's your favorite spot on the island? Do you have a favorite place on the island that you go to? I think it's changed over the years. So right now, my favorite spot is a place um, on the north end of the island. Uh, we knew it as Rock Quarry. Mm-hmm. I think there's signs down there that say Kahili Beach. Yes. So... That's our favorite. We've got the ocean there. We've got a river mouth. Um, there's a rope from a tree my, do- my granddaughter can swing from. Yeah. And so it it's versatile, so we can get a lot of stuff done. Yes. Yeah. I love when I'm the same way in Northern California where I'm from, Redding. There's a there's a place that's like, well, it's Round Table Pizza. It's not Round Table Pizza anymore. I think it's a machine shop now, <laughs> but you still refer to it as Round Table Pizza, and that's like, well, it's Rock Quarry, it, right? Whatever it's called now, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter. Just go to Rock Quarry. That's such a great thing about this island because a lot of people are they still refer to things as what they used to be, and so you can really tell when people come from the outside, yeah, because they have no idea what you're talking about. And it's a really right. simple way to sort of separate the people who are exactly. <laughs> you know, local and not. And also, 
how you know the name is how long you can tell you've been here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll always refer to that Holy Donuts place yes. as Kojima's because when I was growing up across the street, Kojima's was the name of the store there. Oh. And it's always going to be Kojima's. Kojima's. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Holy Donuts for just a second because we have a very <laughs> special donut shop by my house. It's called DK Donuts. And literally, it's the best donuts on the planet. And I'm not exaggerating when I say it, but it's mm-hmm. a traditional donut like and when you taste it you're like oh nothing compares to it not duncan not anybody else's here there's something called holy donuts and it's different Mm -hmm. what makes it so different i heard my daughter say that they use taro to make their donuts that's correct they do you got me you had me at taro i love it so people (laughs) i thought it was poi taro is. is poi oh Okay, there we go. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Listen, you Howley. We know. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I'm just like, it's got poi in it. Yeah. But I love taro. But well, it's all in how it's prepared, right? Right. Correct. Well, that's the thing. Poi is different than taro. No. I know it's not, but it tastes different. Okay, Toby. Right. What's the difference between taro yeah. and poi? So taro mm-hmm. is the root. Right. And poi is taro mixed with water. Yeah. That's it. And boiled. Yes, heavily steamed and made into a paste. And that's what you give your babies. Yes. That's their first real food. Absolutely. After milk. Fun so fact that it's um it's one of the most hypoallergenic foods really ever. Yes. So that it's anyone can eat. It's so good for yes. you. Really? High in vitamins and nutrients. I Incredible. did not know. So you went and got a holy donut. And your granddaughter, the little one, yes, inhaled that thing like there was no tomorrow. It's she did. Well, it's because there was. She's accustomed she to the knew. taste. <laughs> she knew. Well, she yeah, she totally knew. She was like, "This is these are my donuts." Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, because poi is, I think it's a misunderstood food, right? Because <coughs> as a mainlander, poi isn't really something I come here for. Right. It's definitely an acquired taste. Right. But um, my husband's Howley and he likes it. He's been here a long time. <laughs> yes, he has. Well, how, because of, I think our first experience with poi is usually at a luau. Yes. And it's usually purple. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very pasty. Is it, how, how, would you, how would you feed someone poi who's sort of new to the poi game? Like, what would you give them? Um, I would probably put a little bit of the lomi lomi salmon with it and eat it because then it gives it a little flavor. That's what how um, I introduce it to people, okay. eating it with something else. Mm. So it's most, it's kind of, we could compare it to tofu. Like it yes. will take on a flavor that you sort of mix it with. Maybe so. Yes, I agree. Okay. That's an idea. That's an, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a thought. Is is it something that you grew up eating? I want to say I did, but I, I really don't remember. You know, everything costs money. And not having money growing up, you, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose what is the most affordable thing. And poi wasn't cheap. Oh, it's not. No, no, it's not. And oh. it's also limited in availability. I think now, like, you can get them on this store on this day once a week um so it's not available all the time unless you're having hanalei poi which is what we buy for our grandbaby for our mo'opuna because 
it's um, filtered and, and pasteurized. Mm. So it's the thing with poi is if it's not cooked heartily enough and correctly, then you can have intestinal issues oh. with it. Is that oh. true? Yeah. And so for babies, we feel we feed her the, the filtered stuff. Now, and I am going to spew out some facts that aren't facts at all, but um, I read somewhere years ago that Kauai is like the largest producer of taro in, th- well, in the United States for sure. Wow. Um, and I don't know how correct that is, but when you drive over to, that's the north side, mm-hmm. Hanalei, mm-hmm. they have... Yes. Taro fields mm-hmm. forever, and they're gorgeous. Yes, yeah. that you can see overlooking from Princeville, yes. right? Yes. All the taro patches. Um, and I believe that might be very true. Several of my friends growing up um, were directly connected and linked to the taro patches down there. Mm-hmm. And we even have um, close friends now who continue to run the taro patch. It is hard work. Yes. Very yes. hard. A lot of manual labor. But I also know that there's um, another taro farm um on the other side maybe west side makaweli is the name of the area and interesting is that you can tell the difference of where the poi comes from because of the color Mm -hmm. so the poi over in makaweli is more brown gray and the poi from hanalei is like a deep grayish purple yeah that you guys have noticed interesting because west side is much drier Mm -hmm. than the north side of the island so you would get a different kind of taro product another thing that happens on this island which probably happens on other islands i can't speak for it but is the salt ponds Mm. tell a little bit about what the salt pond is Salt Pond is an area outside of Ele Ele, or Hanapepe, I should say. Um, and there are beds of salt. My family has um, a connection there. And we also know someone else who is a, from a different family. And they have a salt bed as well that they care for. And they harvest the salt there. So we're lucky that we have two sources that we get um, Hawaiian salt from. And this is not salt that is bought or sold? No, no, it's gifted. So I used to buy my salt from the grocery store like everybody else. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't until recently that I found out from my cousin who had said one day, cuz, you need some Hawaiian salt? And I said, sure. And so he gave me a big bag. And after I ran out, I went to his sister and said, cousin, I need some more. I ran out come by my house so then I went and then so this continued um, you know replenishing of salt would happen periodically when I'd run out of, of salt um, then my husband befriended who is like his you know brother from another mother <laughs> and he gifted my husband salt as well and so they can gift whoever they want okay. they don't sell it Right. But they do offer it to people that they feel close to, people that they love, yeah. people that they trust. It's an, like a very sacred thing, I feel like. And we never take it for granted that we have this, you know, delicate source from the ocean. And as I was reading up about it, and I think we had dinner a night a, t- uh, a week or two ago, and mm-hmm. you had put the salt on something that you made and... Mm-hmm it made a tremendous difference Mm -hmm. and you mentioned that I think it was the salt 
and it does have a mellower um, taste to it that mm-hmm. just knocks things out of the park. It really is. It's I, I she brought some home to me from you, and it was it's delicious. And people come over, and my daughter, who's a really great cook, I've told her about it, and she's like, "This is something special. This mm-hmm. is different." It looks like pink Himalayan salt that you can buy at Trader Joe's and at yes. anywhere that you can buy. So it's a little deceptive because you're like, oh, okay, it's, you know, it's salt or whatever. Um, until you put it on something, I've never, I've never had salt taste like this before. It's truly like from the sea. Yes. Because I don't, I, it, having only looked, at, look up the salt beds online and you will be able to see there's been a little bit of controversy about them in years past because there's some development happening around them which is very disturbing yeah Yeah. it's very upsetting to the uh, not just the people who have those salt beds but to anybody who understands anything about the hawaiian culture or this island it's like just kind of stay away from that area (laughs) please stay away from that area but if you look it up you see how the tide comes in to the beds washes out it leaves little residual water and then that of course evaporates and then you've got this beautiful pure pink salt that we had on salmon and i have never noticed before the difference in taste yes and you mentioned the color so it's called alaya the salt because it's mixed with kind of the red dirt of the island you Mm -hmm. know and there's also um the sand um the makings on the big island that's that can be black as well mm. did you know oh, that oh yes yeah. i have like i've seen that like at the abc store yeah i mean it's a, it's not a gimmick but it's more touristy kind of thing yeah. but yeah that would be that would make sense right. so each salt has a from each island has a different yes color, color. yeah and those salt beds i think people need to understand that it's they those the folks who farm those salt beds, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily own that land, right? Correct. It's it's a gift. Yes. And my understanding with the one that my cousin um, goes to harvest at, it was, again, generational. So her uncle and his family did it. And then their family before that did it. So it's something that they were took, they were taken there. Mm-hmm to be taught how to reverence the land, how to care for this product that the ocean is bringing to them and then sharing it with others. I would love to be able to go down there sometime and um, you know, see the process of yes. having that done. I but they're too. also very you know, careful about who they share that with. Sure. Yeah, because I can imagine it would then become well, if you pay 150 bucks, you and your party of 12 can oh, come. Oh, gosh. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, that's what it then evolves into. I can yes. see why people would be very hesitant to say, hey, yeah, bring your family down here. We're going to do the little collecting of the of the salt. That would, yeah, I get it. Why is it important to keep this culture alive, not only for locals, but also for people who are from the outside? I wish everybody had that mindset. Thank you so much. <laughs> Spread that word everywhere. <laughs> I, we will. We try. need more people to know. Uh-huh. Um, growing up as a Hawaiian, my culture is an intricate part of my life. When I moved away, connecting with people who were Hawaiian, who were from the islands, 
is what kept me thriving in all aspects of life. Um, introducing other people to our culture also helps me to, um, to appreciate it more and to share that reverence that you talk about with others. I think there's misconceptions, I could be wrong, about Hawaiian people and the Hawaiian culture, like everyone's just sitting under a coconut tree enjoying a day at the beach. That's not true. Um, I would say that, that we're lazy and that we're dumb and that we don't aspire to anything. Mm-hmm. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, in looking back at our ancestors, they thrived in the ocean. They thrived upon the lands. They were hunters and gatherers and fishermen and navigators. Yeah. Um, they were warriors. They mm-hmm. went to war with other mm-hmm. islands, and they were amazing. I'm really proud of my heritage. Also, looking at your three daughters, um, <laughs> lazy and unmotivated, are not, <laughs> don't describe it at all. You've raised three exceptional women who oh, are you. educated. And I know, just from knowing you and your husband, that you guys did that purposely. You guys raised them in a certain way. Absolutely, with um, values that were important, not just for this time of growing up on the island of Kauai, but that they can instill within their children for the rest of their lives that we've tried to instill within them. And that all stems from the culture. I want to, you know, I want to state and believe because I grew up having a reverence and respect Mm -hmm. for my kupuna, who are our, our ancestors, are our, our older, um, you know, elderly? Yeah, elders. older folk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, something as simple as whenever you went to a party or whenever you went to, um, you know, when we went to my mom's house for dinner, when you get there, you kiss all your aunties, you kiss all your grandparents, you say hello, you give them a hug. And when we leave, we will clean the kitchen, we will clean the table. There were just these things that we did to instill and teach with them, with, and teach them the importance of this reverence and respect that we have for our people, mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah, it's cool. I mm-hmm. think that the Hawaiians get a bad rap because when you come to this island specifically, it's a different pace which you can, you need to appreciate. When you go out for dinner, it might take a little longer. When you're driving, slow down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what your agenda is. Thank you, truly. It really is, and and it's part of what, if you embrace it and if you have respect for it, it is what makes this place so special. You kind of have to slow down Mm -hmm. to speed up. So the word is ho'omanavanui. And oh. it means patience. <laughs> oh, and sounds so much better when you say it. <laughs> say it again. Ho'omanavanui. And my husband and I had a, a thing this morning where we went to do a, a little project. And I said, you need to slow down. And he said, I'm being efficient. <laughs> and I said, but you need to be patient. You know, there's just a difference mm-hmm. of... In, um, I don't know, like mindset. the way, yes, mindset. And he was trying to be efficient. Yeah. And I'm like, but if you just be patient through it, we'll get through it without any, you know, with more harmony for one thing and without any. Uh, but the world the needs word more is. of that, right? The yes. world needs more of that. That's the culture that is so beautiful, which is, it is slow down to speed up almost, right? Mm. It is just 
calm down, everyone. Mm -hmm. Just take a moment. (laughs) Just take a moment. Right. So you going to Provo, you find people. Why was that important for you? I was alone. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, showing up at the doorstep of a young lady who I never met before and having that immediate connection was very important, I feel, for my survival there. Yeah. Um, And as I got to know more people, she introduced me to other people and then there was just this whole community Mm -hmm. of Polynesians that um, helped to sustain me through my time there. And connecting with that identity, like I said, I could thrive. I um, was the uh, Miss Polynesia in the um, homecoming parade that year. Yes, and when my daughters went away to college, I remember when we dropped our oldest daughter off at college, we walked into what looked like a barn, but it was the gym. And on the way in, there was a girl who opened the door, and she was Polynesian, and she said, hi, and my daughter said, hi, and they immediately exchanged names. This girl became her mentor for the two or three years until Gemma graduated and then Tori was there you know to help the next Polynesian girls that came on and so this community that we have worldwide I would say Mm -hmm. is just a beautiful way that we can connect to other people. I love that. You described it as once you found your peers you thrived. Yes and like I said you know we had hula in common we had foods we love to eat in common we would talk about places that we would frequent in Hawaii in common and it just immediately connects you so that was really special so Toby's also a great athlete (laughs) when did you how old were you when you started surfing uh probably in college as well oh okay yeah had friends that would take us out to the different places on Oahu Diamond Head and some North Shore, more in town though, because I was going to UH Manoa. Right. Yeah. Yes. So you you still surf? Yes. To yes. this day, yeah. Lots of lots of water sports happening. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Toby's a pickleball player, I and I don't want to say. I know she doesn't <laughs> like the word expert. I'm not going to say expert. She will. She's really good. She she will embarrass men with your pickleball skills. Which I love. <laughs> the same. Your men, maybe not other men, not, but, but my man. No, um, no. Just the, the the skill is is next level. Um, that is part of I think uh, living here. Might maybe spending a lot of time outside and just enjoying the outdoors because it's like. Many, many days. I don't want to say 365, but there's usually sun shining every single day. Absolutely. And I think that really saved us here in Hawaii during the pandemic. Sure. Because that was one thing that our island allowed that I I realized later that other islands did not um, have the same advantage. But we we did get to go out and do water sports. So Mm -hmm. we took up surfing a lot. We spent a lot of time in the water and... um, and that was great to help with our emotional health. Sure. Yeah. Oh, for And real. vitamin D. We yes. found out that was so important. What is it like seeing people being obsessed with the place that you call home? I mean, people literally want to be here. They, they come here on vacation. They're like, I'm moving here. And a lot of people do. Yes. Guilty. I just raised my hand. I know. <laughs> that's what you happened. You are one of those. No, that's what colleagues. happened. Is it? Because sometimes we joke like it feels a little bit like people come from the outside and 
you guys are like monkeys in a cage. You know, like people are staring at you from the outside as if you're some sort of a, you know, I don't know, something to look at through and, and admire and talk of and point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that, is, is that our point of view or does that kind of sometimes feel that way? Um, I haven't had much of that experience of people looking at us like we're in a cage, mm-hmm. monkeys in a cage, mm-hmm. but I, I do feel like, and this is my own personal opinion, um, there are two types of people that come here to Hawaii. The type of people who come here and they see what's here and they reverence it and they want to spend their life trying to help figure out how to keep it this way. Mm-hmm. And then there's the others who come and they see and recognize the beauty and they say, but it would be so much better if, and they want to change it to what they think it should be. We've had to learn tolerance in our culture as well as everywhere else, I'm guessing, where you live in a beautiful place that everybody wants to come and be. Um, So it's a struggle day to day. Sometimes we meet people who just, you know, get out of my way, move aside. I, you know, I'm here on vacation. I'm entitled. And then there's other people who you just get the sense like they're just overwhelmed by the beauty and the, like you guys are, Mm -hmm. like you. And I can say that because I know you well enough that I've seen how you've changed people on the island and how you contribute. And so, yeah, we try to gravitate more toward people like you and stay away from the other ones. Same. Absolutely. Those are the bones of it. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what we start with. That's the foundation of Hawaiiana. I hate for this to be coming to an end, but it is. And you know the tradition here. We ask all of our guests to give us a takeaway gift or a tag. What do you have for us today? I've been thinking about this a lot. And one of the most... um, prevalent expressions used here in Hawaii is live aloha. Mm -hmm. And although I believe strongly that that's really beautiful and very um, pertinent to the lifestyle here in Hawaii, the one that I live by is live pono. pono. And pono is about balance in life. It's about um, integrity, living with integrity. Like the words you speak match the actions you put out and together that creates relationships that last forever. Finding balance in all of that is how we preserve our culture, our respect, our love, and the reverence. Thank you, Toby, for joining us. We're so glad we finally had you on. It was way too long in coming and it did not disappoint. We Thanks for you. having me. Yeah. Love you we guys love you. too. I wish I could say something in Hawaiian right now to wrap it up. Ua mau kea o ka'aina i kapono. That means the life of the land is perpetuated in righteousness. And that's our state motto. We'll, le- we'll, we'll, we'll leave it with Toby to say that. It sounds Thank much you. better coming from for the from the Hawaiian lady instead of from a couple <laughs> of howlies. In the meantime, we're just two average girls, truly. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We'll see you next time. Episodes of Two Average Girls are free wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button on the Two Average Girls main page so you never have to go searching for new episodes. 
Our editor is Aiden Bloomstein. Our social media producer is Samantha Stone. And original music for Two Average Girls is by Jason Fries. <laughs>